Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 347. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what's up? This is a DC Comics podcast. I was, I was, you know, I was mm-hmm. expecting more from you there. I sort of hesitated because I'm used to you. Uh, no, I wouldn't play football in the wind today and I am very tired. Um, so yes, uh, I'll probably be a little bit rained in today. Um, my allergies, man. My eyes are itchy. My ears are itchy. So excellent <laughs> anyway this is a dc comics podcast uh, we get together we talk about the dc books we read this week coming up on this week's show we have adventures of superman john ken issue one we have batman issue 133 and the flash 794 uh, matt also read poison ivy 10 and monkey prince 12 mm-hmm. and uh, i have some patreon books to talk about so i'll be discussing american vampire issue 30 and batman and the outsiders issue one so uh, some some classic books from very different yeah. eras uh, to to wrap out the week. Uh, yeah, plus, there's very a, much so. Also, some news uh, to talk about. A surprising amount, honestly, uh, as well. So yeah, we got we got stuff happening this week. We're kicking mm-hmm. off March uh, with uh, with some interesting stuff. Um, technically, last week's episode was in March, but that wasn't March books we were talking about. So I still consider this the first episode of March. I mean, these are week one books, right? Yeah, this is week one books. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Makes sense. so there you go. That's the that's the uh the, the plan. That's what we're gonna do, and uh we'll get into everything. And you know how we always start, Matt, don't you? Yeah, with a bunch of banter about nonsensical things. Well, sometimes that comes after the thing we start with. Oh yeah, we have the other thing. The other thing. What's the other thing? Yeah. Is it but is it one thing? Is is it ten things perhaps? Sometimes, sometimes you go beyond into the 18s. <laughs> it's always time for a comicsology top 10, everyone. Uh, so we're going to look at the current rankings of the books as of right now on comicsology.com, which is basically, you know, the Amazon Kindle section of, <laughs> of the website. Yep. Uh, but we're going to have a, have a look and we'll see what, uh, what the rankings is. So because they separate from Tuesday and Wednesday books, we'll look at DC's books from Tuesday first, and then we'll look at the rest of the industry on Wednesday. So what's your guess for the top-selling DC book as of right now on Comicsology, Matt? I'm going to guess Batman 133. Uh, it's correct. I'm not going to give you much points for it, though, because there's like only three major mainline I, books this week. So. Yeah, I, I had a one in three chance. Yeah, uh, because number two is Avengers of Superman, John Kent. Number three is The Flash. I I feel like those were always going to be the top three. Yep. Nothing else was even in contention. Uh, Number four is Teen Titans Robin, which is the graphic novel. Yeah, the Cammy Garcia Piccolo book. Uh, They're getting a Starfire one, which I might check out. I like like Piccolo's art style a lot, so. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, that one of these because tri- even even though it's you know not a heavy week for big books the fact mm-hmm. that it's still outsold on comicsology mm-hmm. other single issues it, it's you know it's notable enough yeah. uh number five is batman and the joker the deadly duo uh the mark Silvestri book yeah number six is the flash one minute war special uh which hey, is hey that's cool yeah so that's the collection of the first three issues of the arc mm-hmm. And then number seven is The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing. Uh, it's interesting to me that these Joker books aren't ranking that high. I feel like there's a time when they would have, just because mm-hmm. it's called Joker, but uh, I, I yeah. guess the... Uh, it it probably doesn't help if they are six ni- or they're 5 dollars too. So true. people might be trade-rating, yeah. you know? 
Yeah, very possibly. Uh, number eight is Static, issue two. Uh, number nine is Poison Ivy, issue ten. And then number ten is actually a collection. It is a house, Nice House in the Lake, volume two. Uh, squeaking in there at number ten. So nice. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's how things are looking. Um, yeah, Monkey Prince just missing out in the top ten, and then yeah. uh, after that is just trades. Uh, World's Finest Volume One and Batgirls Volume Two uh, specifically. So there you go. That's I mean yeah, not it's particularly exciting week because there wasn't a lot of books out for DC, but mm-hmm. uh, nice to see. Yeah, let's nice, nice see some things doing okay, mm-hmm. I suppose. Uh, Wednesday's books, the rest of the industry. Uh, do you have a, a guess for number one? I'm going to guess X-Men 20. That is incorrect. Oh, my goodness. My formula is wrong. Uh, then is it Amazing Spider-Man 21? <sighs> number one is Nightcrawler's issue two. What the hell is... N- oh, it's one of those... Flippin' Sins of Sinister books. Yeah, that's Sins of Sinister events been taking that top spot like every Yeah, it was in it's in the second week. row on League of Comic Geeks, and I, I just saw Night Crawlers, I didn't see the banner. Yeah, so. yeah. Thor is uh, on the cover too, so I was like, yeah, I can't be that. Yeah, number two is X-Men issue twenty, and then number Jeez. three is Amazing Spider-Man. So uh Jeez. Yeah, they're there. Those, those X-Men tie-in books are like just a license to print money for these or for Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number four is Avengers issue sixty six. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five is Moon Knight issue twenty one. Six is Scarlet Witch issue three. Didn't realize it was Orlando doing a Scarlet Witch book, but mm-hmm. there that is. Uh, number seven is Fantastic Four issue five. And, That's a uh, fun cover. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number eight is New Mutants Lethal Legion. It's a fun title. Who's yeah? Who's on that? Uh, Charlie Jane Anders and Javier yeah. Javi Fernandez is on that. Oh my god, the f- this first issue is called Vampire Heist. <laughs> All right, that Ma- sounds fun. Matt's got something on his radar. That sounds fun. I got the, I got the trailer for um for uh, not Van Helsing, the other the other guy uh, Renfield. Oh, that movie uh, looks terrible. Oh, that movie looks terribly fun. No, it, it looks, looks so stupid. No, it looks like garbage. It is the is the no. worst type of humor in a movie. Where where they do something and then a character has to say, "Did you just do that thing?" Yeah, it's awful. Yeah, he eats bugs, Pete, and he gets superpowers. Looks He's like like a like a inverted Ant Man. It's one of the worst looking movies of the year. I can't oh believe. Oh my you. god! No. Oh yeah, no. I'm gonna be there. I I have to go see that. That's gonna be fun. <sighs> see, we're getting along for too long, Pete. This is what this is what the people want. <laughs> well. <laughs> The sad part is, though, is I think Renfield on paper sounds like a fun movie idea. I just think uh-huh. it looks like a really bad movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. See, this is where you have taste and I don't, so... As long as we know. agree on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to go well, I've never, been, I've never claimed to be a person of taste. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, so. All right. Uh, number nine on this list is X-23 Deadly Regenesis Issue 1. I was wondering when that was going to pop up, because, you know... Uh, she she tends to uh, sell pretty well, um, so I'm glad that that squeaked in there. Yeah, uh, and then number ten is Mary Jane and Black Cat because uh, mm-hmm. they've got many going on as well. Uh, just missing the top ten is Predator, which obviously is a Marvel mm-hmm. book these days because they own everything. Uh, oh, that was the number one too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Surprised I didn't uh, debut higher. 
I'm not surprised because I, I don't think those types of books do. Like they, they never get close to uh, you know, like the X Men, Spider Man, and Avengers are always going to outsell <laughs> their you know the licensed. I mean, it's, I mean technically it's not licensed now because Disney own these things. Right. But you know what I mean? Like they're not part of the Marvel universe. So, oh man, the story in this is someone is hunting the predators. So, yeah, never seen that before. You've been sarcastic, right? I yes. Yeah. Okay. Just just checking. Uh, just checking. Okay. Well, that, that's the top ten. So I, I have nothing super uh, exciting to to say about it. Uh, no. It's a uh, quiet week. Mm-hmm. We'll move on. <laughs> I was like, there's a book called Blood Tree. And I was like, what is this? And it's uh, Tomasi on a creator owned. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, um, honestly, uh, the most exciting part of that, uh, for not the right reasons, admittedly, was that you're actually interested in the awful Renfield movie, but that's mm-hmm. th- that's that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I, I got a lot. I, I've been to movies a couple of times in the last few days, and I got. St- I got. I've had so many bad trailers. That Dungeons and Dragons movie looks yeah. like the most two thousand three thing I've it ever does. seen. It looks terrible. Uh, Fast Ten looks pretty terrible. Uh, <laughs> just yeah, but it's got motorcycles now, Pete. We haven't had motorcycles since the first one. Yeah, nine whole movies ago. Yeah. So many of these bloody things. They're still missing that they the calling it Fast Ten. Your seatbelt. They they're still missing out. Uh, I had two trailers in a row starring Michelle Rodriguez. Like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. Why? Why is fifty plus Michelle Rodriguez starring in multiple major motion pictures? As, right? as an action, as an action star, nonetheless. Well, very, very good, good odd. for her. Her agent's working. Uh, right? Apparently. So yeah, don't know. Weird time. Weird time. Uh, anywho, anywho, we do have a uh, news to uh, to talk about. There's yeah. some, some a few news things this week. Um, so we have two big relaunches happening later in the year, and they're both happening pretty much at the same time, uh, with the same numbers sort of wrapping up. And it made me wonder, actually, because we're going to talk about Wonder Woman and the Flash here, and I'm wondering if the reason why Flash is double shipping for a little bit is because they wanted these two things to happen at the same time, and Wonder Woman at some point I must have been double shipping and Flash wasn't, and it got ahead. But Wonder mm-hmm. Woman and Flash are both going to end their current runs with issue 800 of each series issue 800 of both books will be oversized as you imagine it'll have stories mm-hmm. from multiple creators uh, flash notably is going to have mark wade writing a story as well as john's and you know other notable flash writers yeah. um so as long as they keep the author who must not be named away will be good so these two books are wrapping up the current runs and then they're renumbering afterwards, which I'm a little bit sad about because they went back to the legacy numbering and now mm. we're, we're throwing it away again. Like, why can't the new runs just start at 801? That's a cool number yeah. to start your run on. I, I, I don't right. know. But anyway, so here's the new runs we're getting. We're going to get Wonder Woman by Tom King and art by mm. Daniel Sampier. They're the ones taking over Wonder Woman. Thoughts on that? That, that's, I mean, I remember we were going to be getting a Tom King one Roman book at a time, but I don't remember who was on art. I know it was in St. Pierre. So um, I'm wondering how much of this comes from that. Um, but the fact that we really haven't had a monthly superhero book from King, you know, uh, since his Batman run ended, is, is pretty interesting because I wonder what, what he's got up his sleeve. 
Yeah, maybe he's had some ideas ruminating for this for mm-hmm. a little bit. I will say, out of the two announcements, this is the one that I'm far more positive on, just because we have not been enjoying, and we we, we dropped the current Wonder Woman ones, so this is welcome news, mm-hmm. that it's a fresh start with a writer that, more often than not, we have loved, uh, you know. Yeah. Admittedly, yes, his one ongoing superhero book that lasted a long time did sort of go down as time went on, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't mean to say that he's going to do a hundred issues of Wonder Woman. So, <laughs> right. Uh, so we'll, well, and then too, we've we've had that same team on Wonder Woman for a minute. Uh, so maybe fresh eyes, you know, on the character will will refresh in a lot of things. And then Sam Pierre on art on basically anything. I'm never, you know, that's something that's always exciting. Oh yeah, this this continues so. the trend of Tom King getting uh, mm-hmm. any of the good artists that he wants, seemingly. Yep. So. Uh, I'm all positive on the Wonder Woman side. Flash is a little bit more mixed just because I'm really enjoying the current Flash run and it's actually gotten better as it's went. So it almost seems a shame to to end it with, if it's not time. And the writer, Jeremy Adams, did put a statement on Twitter uh, mm-hmm. just after this announcement, basically saying that he's sad that it's ending and it, you know, it kind of sounds like he wasn't necessarily wanting to finish it. He yeah. probably had more on the tank. But uh, they told him in advance that issue 800 would be his, his final issue. So obviously he's building yeah. up to it. He knows that he's ending soon, so I'm sure it's written to accommodate that. Yeah. But yeah, it, it seemed know. like a bittersweet announcement for him because he was like, you know, I got to write my favorite character and bring the West family back and put them in the spotlight. And, you know, so and, and, and I like when a writer is emotionally invested in these characters. So, you know, yeah, again, bittersweet. Yeah, so he he is moving out of Green Lantern, so he's on a book. It's not like he's mm-hmm. disappearing. So yeah, uh, he's he's not uh, vanishing from your from your DC uh, shelves. But you know, we have been enjoying that run. It's gotten better as it's went on, uh, and there's always the chance that the new team, you know, might not be as good. And I, I, personally, I have like no opinion on Sai Spurrier as a writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but he's he's coming in as the writer. We got Mike Diodato on the art, mm-hmm. so. That's that's what we're getting. That's what we're getting from Flash. Yeah, so it says it says here, Flash 800 goes on sale in, in June, and then after that, Spurrier Diodato become the creative team with the Flash number one in September, with a story that pushes Wally West uh, to find new ways to use his power as he confronts themes of cosmic horror. So, you know, doing cosmic horror in Flash is something I wouldn't have thought of, but, you know, it's definitely a different vibe from what uh, Adams is doing. I mean, I so... think it's notable that it's still a Wally West book. The, the, mm-hmm. the, they're still saying Wally West. So, because yeah. because when I saw that the issue eight hundred was called a celebration of Wally West, which yeah. is cool, but my first instinct was, oh, it's switching back to Barry after that. Then, yeah, that was the or, first. Oh th- no, Wally, Wally's days are numbered. Yeah, that that was yeah. the yeah. the first thing I thought when I saw the title of that issue eight hundred was, oh, it's going to be Barry again after that, and yeah. it isn't. Uh, so that's a pleasant surprise. Uh, but I have been really enjoying this run, uh, so mm-hmm. you know, I, like this this one's is a bit more bitter sweet, and you know the new run might be great. Maybe Size Spurrier mm-hmm. is going to knock it out of the park. I have no idea, but you know we're taking something away that we know we like for something we might not mm-hmm. like. So it's inherently a little bit you know squeakier than yeah. the the Wonder Woman news, which is something we know we don't like is being taken away for something that could be great, yeah. which is a, a much better trade, cool. obviously. Yeah, and also Adams going back to green or back. Going to Green Lantern, bringing me back to Green Lantern, because he also has Zermanico doing the art there. So I, I think you know, as much as I enjoy his his Flash run, if we get equal amounts of you know creativity for Green Lantern, I'll be happy. Yeah. Uh, so you know, Donna DC still going on. Um, 
So, yeah, September's when these new issue ones are seemingly going to be hitting. Um, which I, I guess the reason why we're getting these announcements is because the issue 800s are going to be solicited next, uh, and that's why we're we're get finding out about mm-hmm. these now rather than a little bit down the line. So, uh, and I think the reason for that, of course, is that both these new teams are going to have a story in the issue 800s, as tends to be the, you know, whenever they have like these anniversary issues, mm-hmm. whoever the new writer's going to be, whether it be Bendis on Superman, where they had the big mm-hmm. Action 1000, you know, he, he didn't write all of 1000, but they had a, a story in there that started yeah. the next run. Same thing with these, both are going to have uh, a, a teaser or an, a, a prologue, perhaps you might call them for the runs going forward so um yeah and obviously even though we've not been reading wonder woman we all read the issue 800 because most of mm-hmm. it will be other writers and part of it will be the setup of the new run so yeah uh yeah. you know so some more big donna dc uh creative changes um but uh, i mean at the very least you know we're, we're, we're continuing both wonder woman and flash books that's nice to see the other news coming out of this uh this week again more eventful than i would expected to be honest uh, yeah. is that we've got two new books announced um and i'm not seeing any indication that they're miniseries here uh Mm-mm. meaning they're probably ongoings even though both of them feel like they probably are only going to last six issues but i mean that's uh now here so there's two more books announced we have steelworks uh which is going to be about both uh john henry and natasha and mm-hmm. this doesn't have a date yet but presumably it'll be uh, either September, October, or certainly by the end of the year. Uh, but the interesting thing here is the creative team on this. Um, Michael Dorn is writing this, and if you're like, I recognize that name, but I can't mm-hmm. think of what he's written, that's because he's not written a comic book before. Michael Dorn is the actor who plays Worf in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, And something that I did not know, he was a voice of steel on Superman the Animated Series. Yeah, I didn't. I don't think I knew that either. I, yeah. I think what's interesting about this is, well, it's, I guess it's not entirely true because mm-hmm. he did voice steal on an animated show. But yeah. But why I was thinking there is that this is interesting because this is relatively well. It's an actor who's writing a comic. It's relatively not someone that he's as connected to. And I know he's voice stealing in the one of the right. cartoons, but this feels a bit more like maybe he just wants to write comics and he's mm-hmm. getting into i don't know but he's on his own he's not got a co-writer so mm-hmm. it's it's just him um yeah. and then we have uh who's the art here where is it sam basri sam basri i couldn't find it in the paragraph but yeah sam yeah. basri is uh on the art so we got steelworks as a front cover you can go check out if you go look at the article uh and then the other so book has he done any writing i'm gonna i'm know. gonna check while you're covering this yeah i don't know if he's done any writing before uh and then the other book that's been announced is a hot girl book uh so uh, it involves hot girl moving to metropolis after the justice league split up uh which obviously has been happening currently uh yeah so this is coming from jadzia uh, axelrod and uh, art by amanke nihilpin uh so i don't really i mean i know nihilpin's art but i don't know this writer at all so i have no Me idea neither. if i should be excited for this but i'll give it a try obviously yeah I mean, I like Hawk Girl. Uh, we haven't had a Hawk book since uh, the Hawkman book went off from uh, from um, my my drawing a blank Venditti. So mm-hmm. uh, curious to see where this one picks up. If we're gonna do Thanagari, and did it say uh, if it's just gonna be Kendra? It's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's Kendra. It's the current Kendra. It's the current yeah, Hawk Girl. Oh, yeah. Okay, 
Says the story is on Kendra. She moves to Metropolis following the breakup of the Justice League. So let's just said that. Yes. <laughs> gotcha. I missed that because I was looking at Michael Dorn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the writer here did write uh, a young adult graphic novel uh, for DC. So this is, this seems to be a case of that was like uh, mm-hmm. the door in, and now they're getting a an actual regular yeah. comic book. So uh, maybe DC were pleased with the uh, with the graphic novel. So yeah, it's got it's got a nice front cover. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll say that you got the H inside, kind of the 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 morning star shape, and yeah, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, that's nice. Um, honestly, yeah, like two two new teams on Flash and Wonder Woman, and then some books for some smaller characters. Like this is kind of what you want out of a of a line. You want the bigger titles, but you also want some of the smaller characters to get a chance mm-hmm. of maybe having a good run or hitting it big. Um, will either of these books be that? I don't know. We'll find out when we read them. Uh, but yeah, but uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, anytime uh, these characters get a chance to have their own book, I get excited because it's you know something different than what we've been getting. So um, yeah, with this with Axelrod, I've I can't find anything so far. Um, you know, so it's a relatively unknown, at least to us. So. That means there's there's all all sorts of potential. Oh yeah, yeah, could be great, could be bad. No idea. We'll just have to read it and find out. I, you know, I, I think when it comes to these smaller characters getting books, is that I feel like you know, I think that the great successes are a little f- like further between, but uh-huh. it is great when it happens and it lands. So it's always worth the like see, I, you know, because obviously they don't tend to get the superstar creative teams in the way that the big characters do. So it's a bit more of a crapshoot typically, but. Uh, you know, I like these. I mean, neither of my ca- the characters are my favorites, but like I like both characters, so I hope. Uh, yeah, I hope they're good. Uh, well, I mean, we're getting a lot of steel too with with him as a supporting character in action, right? So mm-hmm. you know he's gonna get his own book with Natasha. That's pretty cool. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, July is when the Hot Girls book starts. Uh, mm-hmm. Just. FYI, which I assume is our next solicits, uh, period. Which I guess means about right. I guess means. Yeah, never mind. I'll just, I'll just having a having yeah. a passing thought. Uh, but there you go. That is that is the news of the week. Uh, some interesting stuff coming later in the year. Uh, summer into early on. Mm-hmm. So, cool. We also got some non-comic book specific DC news um, for other things. Uh, One which is a pleasant surprise is that Batman Cape Crusader, the animated series which was in the works at HBO Max and then Max kind of dumped it, has actually been picked up for two seasons at Amazon. So this is the the old school looking Batman uh, animated series. Uh, It's got some of the names from the you know the, the old Batman animated series involved, mm-hmm. including uh, uh, Tim and things like that. So, yeah, this was just a pleasant surprise. Uh, obviously, there's a bit of a bittersweetness to this because Kevin Conroy's passed away, so yeah. it can't be him now, which is a shame. But uh, th- this felt like it would have been same insane to lose. You know, you got Bruce Tim working on this. It was being produced by J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves. Uh, so mm-hmm. getting a two season, two season straight to series order is obviously just good news. Like yeah, yeah for I, sure. Yeah, uh, so I'm in, I'm intrigued to see what this is, uh, when it when it hits. But uh, yeah, 
So, so quality animated stuff is, is nice to see. Uh, so that, that was the one bit of news. And then the other thing that is worth mentioning, we, we talked about the reveal of Suicide Squad uh, <laughs> last week or two weeks ago, whatever that happened. Yeah. Uh, the news has come this week that it has been delayed. Uh, it's still expected this year, but uh, they've pushed it from its May release date. This is amusing because if it's still coming this year, if that's, th- if that's still true... They can't really change anything that people were upset about really meaningfully. Like, mm-hmm. maybe they can take away the fact that you have to spend money on things, yeah. potentially, but the game still designed around the idea that you were going to do it that way, so it's still going to be shit to play. You know, it's still not going to play uh... like a proper single-player game. So, th- this can't be fixed. It's slightly just to polish it, but, like... Everyone knows there was a backlash to this. Everyone was disappointed by what this was. But uh, sadly, I think this is just delaying the inevitable. I think this is them just delaying the the, the, the bad reception that it's going to get maybe, when it comes out. Maybe if they forget about the bad reception, we can just, you know, shadow release it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's just doomed to... You know, yeah. just be be this thing people, no one likes when it comes yeah, out. Yeah, I did see this week people that love the Suicide Squad just as a concept are like, that's not Suicide Squad. That's not a Suicide Squad game I want to play. So, well, yeah, it's just, it's just a shooter. They know. all just have guns yeah. and shoot. And like, yeah. this is something that they do as well. Is like, like Boomer, Captain Boomerang for some reason, for gameplay reasons, like has got something of the flashies so he can do he's got like he doesn't have like just super speed but he's got a move where he sort of like speeds around and it's like that's something that captain boomerang's never done you've just you've just written in a reason for him to have speed powers yeah if that's owen and he can throw it with uh, a bit of the speed force then yes but digger can't do that um yeah you know like they all play the same way by the looks of it. They all shoot. Uh, yeah. You know, Harley's got a grapple. Killer Shark can jump like he's like Golden Age Superman. <laughs> Breaching out of water, Air Jaws style. Yeah, uh, Deadshot's yeah. got like a drone thing that he attaches to or something. I don't know. They're like, they're... like you, you would think like they would consult comic book fans or like people that would know and be like, yeah, Deadshot has a specialty where, you know, you always hit or something. It's not always critical. I don't know. Something that plays with the accuracy. Yeah, I I don't think it's that they didn't know. I think this is just that the the wanted to make a, a they didn't want any any character to feel like they were missing out, so they all ended up just having a reason to have similar like movement yeah. abilities and similar like it's like the only one who should be firing guns is Deadshot. The other yeah. three should all be doing other completely different things. Like yeah, Harley should be like a melee specialist that yes. hits people with her mallet, right? Yes. Like. Killer, uh, King Shark should be a tank. Tank. Yeah. Yep. And then Boomerang should be... Uh, like a well, a Boomerang, obviously. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's just, just, just a bunch of nonsense. Anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah so that's been delayed. Uh, although they didn't actually give a date for... They just said it's still coming this year. Do you believe that? I don't know. Like, the fact There's that... There's still seven months in this year. So anytime, anytime. Yeah, but sometimes when they don't announce a date when it's only half a year, it usually means that, oh, like, that may end up being longer than that. It may end up being... Because they did the same with Starfield, where it was, like, uh, Meta came out in November, and then it got delayed, and it was like, oh, it's probably spring, and then just this week they've officially said it's coming out in September. So it's basically, you know, it's almost a full year from its original date. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me if Suicide Squad ended up being similar to that, but... 
I guess we can get into the books then if you're mm-hmm. if you're feeling uh sure. frisky about it. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't know why I picked frisky, I don't know, I just looked for a word. Still. I don't know either, but I wasn't gonna point it out and just let you keep going. <laughs> yeah, you decided to show it show up for yourself. So I'm just I don't know, my my brain's running ahead of my mouth or my mouth's running ahead of my brain today, I guess. Is <laughs> the way I put it. Welcome to be uh being me. Yeah. Yeah, but you're used to it. You, you do that every True. day. I, I'm just... I'm not, it's not even like I'm tired. I'm not sleep deprived. Yeah. I, I had a yeah, decent no, sleep I... today, but whatever. It's good. It's just we're, we're in we're in loopy Pete for some reason territory today. Uh, Alright. Adventures of Superman, John Ken, issue one. Tom Taylor writing with Clayton Henry on the art. So this is our new John Ken Superman book. It's a six-issue miniseries uh, written by Tom Taylor, as I said. And... Uh, interesting premise, this book, which is that someone's going around, well, I say someone, it's, it's revealed in the first couple of pages, Ultraman's yeah. going around killing supermen, uh, specifically yeah. Kal-El's from different universes, and we see him kill a superman in one universe, and, you know, he's got him by the neck, and he's like, any last words, and he's like, Lois, and Ultraman's disappointed, he's like, always the same. It's, you know, crunch. <laughs> yeah. It, it's these times where as much as we love Tom Taylor, right? Because he, he writes these hopeful stories. Mm-hmm. The dude also has a, a, a real skill at writing super dark, depressing things. Oh, he's got you a mean know? streak. He knows how to yeah, uh, make his upset. Sure. Uh, so that's all of it. that is like our tease. That like sets up the, the premise. And we, you know, we go to John and he's with Jay. He's talking about having a secret identity now and how that's unique and he doesn't have cameras following him. But then... Mm-hmm. He sees stuff falling out of the sky. There's basically, it's a bunch of satellites from Lord Industries are all like crashing down towards Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, he calls Oracle to bring in the Titans to try and like help uh, save people. They're doing it all over the the North and South America. He's flying to Europe, uh, mm-hmm. but someone else, a mysterious other figure, is saving uh, Asia. And it's like, oh, who yeah. is this? And he eventually runs into him. Uh, it turns out to be Valzod. So uh, the premise of this issue really is that Valzod and Red Tornado from Valzod's Earth, uh, they're here to recruit John to go after Ultraman. And the reason why they're not going to Clark is because they've done that before from a different universe. And whatever Ultraman's got that he's using to weaken Superman Mm -hmm. is specifically tuned to Kal-El. It's specifically tuned to them. It's not like a kryptonite weakness where all Kryptonians are going to suffer from it. This is specifically targeting him. So they've waited till Clark's not around. He's off-world doing something right now because they know he'd want to get involved. Even though it's dangerous for him, he would still do it because he's Superman. So they're like, no, we've done that before. It's got him killed. It has to be John. And of course, they don't even know, gone into it, that John's got a personal history with Ultraman where he's the one who actually had him held captive and stole his years away uh, from his parents. Um, do you know what I think I like about this? I like that the audience, I think, by and large, didn't like aging up John, right? I think right. everyone, even though he's been good since they aged him up and whatever, like the stories have been fine and he's been a likable character, everyone felt it was too soon to like take away the, the kid version of John Kent. And I think what Taylor's doing here is he's transposing that feeling onto an in-universe character so we we now in universe john blames ultraman for doing that for stealing those years so 
it, it kind of like i think it makes us like root for him in this story like you know we feel like oh john wants like justice for taking those years away so i think inherently like, on a meta sense like i think the audience can sort of get on board with that and feel more invested in the conflict so i don't know i think it works because of how the audience typically felt about missing those years yeah well yeah and and there's that grief ends too that, that john feels because he missed out on the time too so i like to you know it's this this time it's personal kind of vibes yeah that's my point uh, is that it, like he feels yeah. that way and it, it mirrors with what mm-hmm. we feel about the situation right. Uh, so, so it, it syncs up nicely and we can get we yep. can be motivated along with them uh, mm-hmm. so I mean that's basically the issue is them recruiting them yeah. uh, you know that, that's the, the bulk of it so my, my only negative here comes from getting the physical copy and I remember a couple of months ago someone on Twitter was asking us about the paper quality and I hadn't noticed in the books I was reading if the paper quality had, had you know gone, not gone off a cliff but you know it wasn't what it once was, and in this book particularly, at least the copy I got, the paper seemed super, super thin. Oh, really? Like, as I was reading the book, I felt like, you know, um, so I don't know if this is going forward. None of my other physical books this week felt that way, Batman and Poison Ivy. So I don't know if maybe I just got a bad copy, um, but but yeah, man, uh, paper quality on this book was, was a bummer. Interesting. Um, I mean... Is it possible because it's a three ninety nine book that they're cheaping out, mm-hmm. and only the four ninety nine books it, are getting the better quality? I don't know. It 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 could be, um, but yeah, again, the the other two physical books I got was Batman and Poison Ivy, and those felt like regular pages. Like yeah, it's been a little bit of different kind of paper, but it was like a a, a, a across the way move, mm. like it was a level. Um, it wasn't bad or worse of this though. Compared to the other books I've been reading, um, physically, just was not there. And that's a bummer, because I'm going to, you know, I'm trying to collect all the John Kent stuff. I have, I have everything thus far so, since he's come back, or since he's been around. Um, and yeah, um, at least I'll have more rooms. It doesn't seem to take up as much space, because it's thinner paper. So, hey, maybe that's uh, looking at the positives here, DC. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe they're trying new things. Maybe this, maybe they'll... Mm-hmm go back on this maybe it's a case yeah. of certain books were printed at a different like you know place and that's the simple could, answer to it i be. don't know um how do you like the clayton henry art because every time i get clayton henry i just i think of you <laughs> i mean it's not his worst art but i still don't no. i don't really like how he draws heads uh, yeah. that's, that's fundamentally is what it always comes but, down to <laughs> i will say the the action sequence was pretty great with him you know getting the satellites that were dropping out I felt there was a there was a sense of movement in the art, um, which I, th- I think we always feel with Clayton Henry, um, and then yeah, his they, babs. I thought thought his babs looked pretty good. The the yeah, action sequentials are usually fine. It's, it's usually just mm-hmm. the heads that I'm not super into. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously, once uh, he's introduced to Velzod, they all go back to the Kent farm. Lois is there, and you know, um, when, when Lois is getting kind of upset uh, that they want John. Uh, the big reveal at the end of the issue, the cliffhanger we leave on, is that the red tornado from Valzod's Earth, and this is something that maybe people who read Earth 2 and all that stuff that Taylor was involved in back in the mm-hmm. day might have known this, but I didn't know this, so it was it was a, you know, when she dropped that line, um, you know, because uh, she says something like, you know, I lost, you know, my Clark. Yeah, my yeah. Clark. Uh, and then she's like, wait a minute, you're Clark, who are you? And the last page is her saying I'm Lois Lane uh, from another Earth. Uh, so yeah. it's basically saying this is dire straits and that someone's going around killing all the supermen, which is Ultraman, 
And uh-huh. so it's personal for John, but it's also double personal because it's his father who's in danger should he not mm-hmm. succeed. And obviously this story is called Countdown to Injustice, and we know that the yeah. Injustice universe is going to play into this, which makes me think that Ultraman's going to go and maybe try and kill that Superman uh, <laughs> and maybe bite off more than you can chew. You can chew, that's, yeah. Because that's a Superman that doesn't play. Yeah. You know. Alternatively, maybe he goes to that universe and goes, wait a minute, I like this Superman. Uh, <laughs> do you want to team up? <laughs> but I, I just feel like that Superman is like this lawful evil version. Yeah, you yeah. You know, that that he's not going to take that kind of shenanigans from Ultraman. And But but I wonder, too, how that's going to play with, with John, seeing this dark version of his dad, you know, or these two dark versions of his dad. Um, yeah, because Ultraman's already a dark version of his father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, because cause that was a, a Superman molded by the loss of Lois. So, um, mm. yeah. Which, is, which always cracks me up, though, just because, again, oh, I, but, I, this, this is just on the table here, but, like, yeah. like unjust as Superman's going to talk to Red Tornado Lois, right? Mm-hmm. And he's going to meet a Lois who's lost or Clark uh-huh. and we're going to get that conversation there's no way they don't do that now, yeah. now, now, no. now that they've introduced a Lois who's lost Superman there's mm-hmm. no way that Lois does not talk to the Superman who lost yeah. the Lois no it's, yeah. it's too easy see and I remember I remember her becoming Red Tornado but I don't remember the how and the why but I do remember she was mentoring Valzad um, you know and mm. that was all the Tom Taylor stuff because I mean that was the first time I was exposed to Tom Taylor was in those pages because I think James Robinson was writing Earth 2, and then he fell off at, like, issue 10 or 11, and then Tom Taylor had taken over. I'm like, oh, who's this Who's this new young writer writing this, you know, multiverse book? Um, and, again, nothing nothing was bad about it. It was just different. Um, but, yeah, so, and then he went on to write Injustice, and that was kind of his thing. So I feel like, also, this is a nice come around for Tom Taylor. You know? Oh yeah, this is him dipping back into everything mm-hmm. he started with at DC. Yeah, uh, as he feels like he's like paving his new like grand opus with Nightwing and Titans, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, uh, I like this. The, I like the motivation for for John with the Ultraman stuff, but also with Valzad coming and being like, "Yeah, we can't, we can't ask Clark to do this because you know he'll play right into the hands. So we need you." Um, and you know, just I love multiversal shenanigans. Yeah, I, I like so. the lowest. Comp- like as soon as he said that, she was like, "You've asked a Clark before, haven't you?" And yeah. like, "Yeah, we got him killed because he tried to help and he got killed." So yeah. I, I, yeah, I actually really liked that this issue didn't try and overstretch itself. I liked mm-hmm. that it was just the recruiting. It was you know there was a crisis. Uh, we build up to whoever the mystery person is. It turns out to be yeah. Valzad, and then it's just about the okay. This is what's happening. This is why I'm here. And this is what we're recruiting John for. Uh, there is also a small moment as well where John's like electric powers kind of like kick up. And kick he, in. Yeah. He's, he's not quite sure still what's going on with them. And honestly, neither are we. We know the Lazarus just has got something to do yeah. with it. But <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, we'll we'll see where that goes. But uh, that may also be key to, of course, defeating uh, Ultraman and, yeah. and Co. There's those extra so that, powers that make yeah, pop that up. could be the edge that he needs. You know, because he hasn't factored in that you know, to the Kryptonian physiology. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I quite like this issue. Like, I, I wasn't in love with the art. Like, I think the art's, you know, mm-hmm. just fine because I don't really like the heads. But um, I think I like the pacing of it. I like that it, it's, it, oh, this issue made it clear what the stakes were. Uh, it sold me on what Ultraman was doing. Having the little prologue scene with him killing a Superman, I thought was perfect. 
and then also adding in the personal touch of like John's own history with Ultraman by the end um you know and I, th- I thought the reveal at the end was good too especially as someone who never really read much of the Earth 2 stuff yeah you know I, that was a genuine surprise it was like oh shit okay uh mm-hmm. so yeah that was a good first issue mm-hmm. I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm into uh what it's doing yeah, I ain't nothing to add. We're, we're All right, well, anything. okay. In that case, rate the book, Matt. Uh, I'm gonna go seven point five. Uh, I mean, I'm happy to go with the eight. It'd, it'd probably be a little bit higher if I, if I liked the art more, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I do actually really like what the story's set up so far. So, mm-hmm. and the pacing, I think, is really good. All right, uh, Batman issue one hundred and thirty-three. Chip Zarsky writing with Mike Hawthorne on the art. So. Uh, last issue ended with Batman saying, yes, Gotham, I shall become a bat. So we skip ahead a little bit. He's been Batman for a little while in this universe. Feels like Batman Earth 1 a little bit. There's a little bit of that. Uh, He's he's wearing, like, a helmet with bat ears on it and, like, body armor. It feels makeshift. It feels like he's he's, he's not got the uh, resources here to, like, properly craft something. So he's he's had to make sort of, like, a a low-key version. Did I say year one? I meant Earth 1. You said Earth 1. Okay, okay. That's, yeah. You're second-guessing yourself. So, I am no, second-guessing uh, Yeah, we have, like, a sort of bulky red Riddler uh, at the start mm-hmm. that uh, Batman sort of breaks up yeah. and uh, deals with. Uh, do you know what I liked about uh, some of the writing in this issue? Because uh, for this arc, and by this arc, mm-hmm. I mean this, like, other universe arc we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been kind of mixed on, like, why are we doing this, like, even though I've liked parts of it. I think this is my favorite of the issues of this arc. Because I kind of like how Batman's narration does feel like an early days Batman narration. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, it's making me feel nostalgic for things like Year One and those types of stories where, where he's like talking about, oh, they're scared, like, you know, they'll, they'll mm-hmm. fear me, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's a world that doesn't know Batman, so he gets to, you know, have that edge again where this is a Bruce that in his Gotham, you know, he's taken down these villains numerous times and there's kind of like a pattern. And now these people have never run into somebody like him before, you know? So it is like those early days and he gets to use the fear and get the jump on them. Although it's uh, funny how multiple people just immediately realize that it's the, the Bruce Wayne that just showed up. Like, like mm-hmm. the secret identity. I mean, not that he needs it here because he's yeah. not going to stay here, but it, it's just kind of funny that yeah. Selena and Alfred all basically just immediately go, wait, you're Bruce. <laughs> well, I also love that, you know, Zdarsky writes in that, you know, that one, he gets brought up every couple months about, you know, if Bruce Wayne really wants to help Gotham, why doesn't he, you know, give his money to social causes, blah, blah, blah. And I do like that so in the dialogue with Selena, it addresses that, where he's like, yeah, he tried to do good, you know, but, you know, Gotham and, and all the, the stuff kind of went out and and Bruce died. So, and, and I like how that's how she knew something was up, right? Because mm. she knew Bruce Wayne had died. Um, so what, what's he up walking around? Yeah, and she goes to see Red Mask first, and Red Mask seems to have speedster powers, unless I misread this. Nope, I, I had that. He's, he's got something to do. Um, but I have, I have a theory on Red Mask, so uh, when, once we get there. Oh, but we're there now. Go for it. We'll, we'll ah, so this, this is clearly the Bruce Wayne of this Earth that's been corrupted. Or not of this Earth. I was uh, going to say, we, the, we find yeah. the Bruce Wayne of this Earth's body later on. But there's multiversal... There's multiversal... Uh, remnants oh, so on you, that course. So you think he faked his death by putting a different Bait. Bruce Wayne yep. from a different Earth on, into the coffin? Yep. Okay. A bait and switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and that's why they're being so cagey. Uh, and this is, you know, 
one of those Dark Knights of Steel kind of evil Batman. And that's where the, the you know, he'd somehow he's tapped into the speed force or whatever, because that's how I took it to. I might be wrong. I don't. But... I wouldn't say that I'd be mad at that outcome. I don't think this been another Bruce Wayne's that exciting to me as, no. a, as an answer. I, I definitely feel those. If, if that's not it, then it's definitely a red herring. The whole multiversal, you know, on the dead body, you know, or that Bruce Wayne had come up. Maybe this is a world with no Bruce Wayne, right? And that Bruce Wayne had found their way there, you know. So he tried to help and it got him killed. I don't know. I mean, there could I, always be a, a a swerve coming up. I mean, I because we'd already shown Red Red Mask having what seems to be speedster powers. Mm-hmm. I took the multiversal energy that Bruce reads on dead Bruce Wayne later on. I took that as this red mask killed him and the multiversal mm-hmm. energy is just because he's a speedster and he's traveled between universes. Yeah, maybe. That could be that too. Yeah, that, that was that was yeah. kind of how I read it. I, I didn't yeah. leap to red mask being a Bruce Wayne. I, I still, I, I hope he's a different character just because mm-hmm. I think that's the, that's the, that's, that's the yeah. doll option to me, but you know. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, I did like, uh, you know, uh, Bruce and Alfred here too. Um, yeah, that, well, that was this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you mean? But that was this. Where else would that have been? I don't know, man. It's been a rough week. My, my, you know, it's the only Batman book sure. you read this week, Matt. Yes, I know, but still, I'm just making sure. After when when I've read this many comics over the course of you know whenever, everything blends together, and I'm just making sure that the Alfred stuff was in this one. So, yeah. So Bruce goes to the the grave of the dead Bruce Wayne. Um, he's in his narration. He's pondering uh, that the uh, this world's version of Joker must be behind things because he's this rich guy here. We saw him last issue. Yeah. Um. Of course, the the name that Joker has here may not even be his real name. It could be an alias mm-hmm. that he's taken. This. I never really thought about that last time when I was seeing how it kind of just spoils what his name is. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's digging up Bruce Wayne. Um and Alfred shows up with a shotgun and demands to know, you know, who he is. Um, he talks about Bruce being dead, and Bruce just unmasks and says he's from another universe mm-hmm. and that he lost his Alfred. But um, you know, he's going to help and do make things right here because he was raised by Alfred Pennyworth, uh, which leaves this Alfred in the rain, uh, just sort of like you know on his knees pondering what what yeah. Bruce has just said to him. So clearly Bruce meant a lot to Alfred here. And I think uh, mm-hmm. I did see a, a theory uh, someone said to mm-hmm. us, uh, what if this Alfred comes back to the main universe and that's how we get Alfred mm. back as we get this this one. I could see I that. Hate it. I don't need it, but I, I, I could see yeah. them doing it and I wouldn't mm-hmm. be mad at it. Like, no. you know. Uh, it'd be interesting. Like, how does he react to like Robins and stuff yeah. like that? Because he's this Alfred's clearly not seen any of that shit. Right, right. <laughs> well, and... Could he do a lot of the tasks that Alfred would need to do? Because this wasn't a Bruce that was Batman. He was a social worker. Yeah. You know? Uh, I wonder, uh, like, if that were to happen, I'd have to assume this Alfred's Leslie might die. You know, and that's Mm. why he's got nothing left here to stay for. It's like, I've lost everyone. Yeah. Like, do you need me? Like, you know, (laughs) do you need Alfred? Because I'll come with you kind of thing. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. It is interesting. Obviously... This is not the first time we've dealt with Bruce getting to talk to an Alfred of some mm-hmm. kind since Alfred died. If anything, they've been going to the well a little bit too much, you know, <laughs> yeah. across the board on this. Uh, but to, to their credit, I will say that it almost always works at least a little bit. It was hard not to feel a little tinge of something when yeah. you know 
Bruce said that, and then Alfred just sort of is left standing there without being able to say anything. Yeah, you know. Well, and I like, I, I just like that idea that the the Bruce and and Dick both are the way they are because of Alfred, you know, because we get a lot of that in in Nightwing, you know, that this is what Alfred would want. Alfred would do what's right, you know, and the fact that you know, um, Bruce says that here, you know, he's gonna do what he has to do because he was raised by Alfred Pennyworth, you know. Um, I just think that's a that's a nice statement. For, for this character that, you know, also it's a nice, it's a nice workaround to, for these, for like Mark Wade and Zdarsky to be able to write Alfred stories, you know, uh, alternate reality. And then, uh, you know, uh, an imposter. So I'm just glad that they're, they're both quality, at least stories. They're not, they don't feel cheap. Yeah. The, the problem is just like doing it too often. It's like, mm-hmm. like, you know, I know he's technically still dead, but it almost feels like he isn't dead. Cause we keep seeing more and more mm-hmm. Alfred stories. Well, uh, and now he's the Spectre in a Tom Taylor book too. <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah. Well, yeah, but that was already ongoing before. Yeah, well, yeah no, I know, but it's just it's funny. You're well, right. Well, like, actually, he... well, I don't know. Did this start before Alfred died? It may have done. Even if it didn't, it didn't really matter because yeah. it was it was it was an Elseworld, so whatever. But <laughs> right. right, I'm just saying we we have gotten a lot of Alfred in the last couple months. Yeah, now that I think about it. Yeah, we got had more Alfred in the last couple months than we did before he died. Yeah. <laughs> huh? uh, sure. So yeah, uh, while he's scanning the body at the hospital uh, with his kind of roommate helping out, uh, Harvey Dent, who's all venomized, shows up with the the police to try and take him on, and uh, we get a big yeah. fight scene. Uh, before selena shows up and bruce is all sort of internally struggling with like do i trust her uh she's not my selena after all uh she Mm -hmm. obviously she wants to kind of put a stop to red mask seemingly because she's not she doesn't approve of like testing on children which is a a a big contention but a moment of contention for her earlier in the issue Mm -hmm. Uh, but they did run across the rooftops, uh bringing back some memories uh the big reveal at the end of this issue that the the book ends on is that Arkham is no longer an asylum. In fact, we, we assumed it was. Batman assumed it was. Uh, but then when he brings it up in front of Selina, she kind of laughs at him effectively and says, no, like, that building's long gone. Arkham's, like, the Arkham Caves. It's all underneath the city. Like, the, the Arkham's, like, huge. And, right. you know, so it's this huge underground facility. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, yeah, I thought Resident Evil a little bit, right? With the underground lab. Um, uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's also made me think that uh, Red, yeah, Red Mask is Bruce. He went to the caves. You know why else? Why else would would you know he move the you know the stuff underground like that? Um, I mean, I'm not so, sold that it as a Bruce, but since you were mm-hmm. already thinking that, I see why you mm-hmm. you're connecting yeah. those dots. Oh, but yeah. Um, that whole, that whole stuff with Arkham being underground and all that does a nice little, you know, uh, turning because you have all of the, the people living above ground, right? And that tower with who we think is the Joker, but you know, all the stuff is going on beneath. So it's like they're distancing themselves even more from the people that need help, which, you know, it seems like something, this is what happens without Batman's influence in Gotham. Um, so yeah, just, you know, it's a, it a pretty decent story. Yeah, I probably like this issue, like I said, the most out of the mm-hmm. three that we've had in this alternate universe. Just, I think just because like all the setups out of the way, and now it's just straight to like business and actually yeah. getting to the point of some of it, which yeah. I, I think that's what made me so like frustrated when we did we started this, is that I'm just like, 
I've read so many alternate universe stories in comics that that early stuff of the character discovering what's different is like, yeah. I'm almost just bored of it now. And I was just like, okay, yeah. can we get through this? To, like... it's, yeah, it's rote at this point. Yeah. Um, but I will say, I do love the idea of Judge Dent and him getting all venomed up and Bruce fighting him. He's like, oh, I know how to deal with this. He's not even Bane, you know? Because at least Bane is like this strategist and knows how to fight. Judge Dent's basically the Hulk. And he just hulks out and, you know, Bruce is able to handle him. So I did like that. That was a fun little scene. I thought it was probably my least favorite part of the issues because it was a, you know, it's time for a big fight scene, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no real build up to like Dent, like coming for him or anything like that. So it just mm-hmm. kind of felt like we want a fight scene in the issue. So we'll have this Dent character that we've set up to just show up yeah. and have a big, you know, scene with him. Yeah. Uh, so, but hey, no, I mean, I, mean, yeah. I, I enjoyed this more than the, than the last couple. Uh, mm-hmm. And the, like, as much as I'm still not sure I would have even decided to do this story, at least there's yeah. like good elements in it and there's parts of it that are, you know, they're mm-hmm. smart and well-written. Yeah. Uh, even, even if conceptually, I'm not sure if it's something that I'd rather they were doing, to be honest, yeah. but... Uh, the backup story uh, wraps up this uh, toy box thing where uh, Tim went to this, like, I don't know, pocket universe or whatever it is. I am still so confused about this multiverse gun. <laughs> this does nothing to, to clarify it, Zdarsky. Yeah, so basically Tim... I was surprised that he finished this in this, like, this one part yeah. because he saves all the humans that are here and brings back Toy Man... Uh, back to the regular universe, he effectively runs around, gives them all like these little disc things that sync him up to his suit, so that when he jumps back to the main universe, he brings everyone with him. Right. So he dodges a couple of toy things, he finds a uh, toy man robot who's trying to cut into another guy, right. and uh, yeah, uh, basically, it's kind of a horror story, like the, the toy mm-hmm. people almost look like zombies in a couple of panels, Yeah, uh, especially some of the colouring, it, it reminded me of like Archie After Dark, or yeah. Uh, well, no, Afterlife of, with Archie. That's after, what that, Afterlife with Archie. That's what that book was called. <laughs> Archie after Doctor, completely different show. Yeah, that's the uh, that's your late night. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> erotic edition. The the real going ons at Riverdale. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, that's basically what it is. It's just Tim goes around and you know brings everyone back, and that's the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like it was well written enough and the art like is, is solid enough like i like the coloring like i said on some of the, mm-hmm. the scenes to make them a bit scarier i i will say like when we started this back up a few issues ago and it was like okay tim's going to investigate the disappearance of batman for some reason like him putting on like a space suit and like going multiverse like hopping to mm-hmm. try and find batman is like not what i i think i was wanting out of it <laughs> yeah. you know it's a bit more sci-fi adventure where i thought oh wells batman's doing this stuff in alternate gotham which is sci-fi because we're in an alternate universe tim will be doing something a bit more grounded in gotham uh prepping well, yeah, for his finding, return yeah like we're trying to figure out how he can you know use the failsafe protocol thing you know to to you know in essence bring uh bruce back through that but yeah i'm still confused with the multiverse gun and this pocket universe with toy man and like just how exactly toy man came across this gun you know um yeah just some weird stuff man yeah uh that wasn't hard to read though i mean i'll give it that it was it was an easy comfortable read but Mm -hmm. uh still like like a lot of the the main story right now uh, it keeps making me go 
Really? This is what we're doing, Zarsky? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, sure. I'll give it a try, but this is what we're doing. All right. Uh, yeah. Um, are in the main books uh, fine in the main yeah. story? Uh, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's exceptional by any means. There's, there's nothing that uh, stuck out to me that much, but uh, there's, there's some nice moments. Uh, the action flows well enough. Um, I do uh, appreciate the more like old school Batman moments where he's just kind of in silhouette or he's like hanging on a yeah. on a rooftop and you know like I, I think the kind of the the harkening back to a simpler early days Batman story is kind of what I like the most about it uh, and that was kind of reflected in the art and stuff as well. Yeah, I feel like that's where Hawthorne's art really comes together when he's playing with the shadows and you know Batman running and you know run, running interference with these guys you know jetting up the whole fear aspect of it um so that worked out really well um yeah and the, and the the riddler scene i thought was pretty pretty interesting with the way that the art was drawn because it made riddler feel larger than life you know so it made him feel like this big threat all, all the villains are bulkier in this universe mm-hmm. for some reason yeah <laughs> uh, but i guess maybe if venom's getting like you know handed around out yeah. there. Or you, you remember they pumped the scarecrow gas too so mm, yeah uh, yeah you know, maybe, but yeah. So okay, well, there you go. That's uh, that's Batman. What are you rating it out of ten? Um, I'll give it a seven. Seven. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll <laughs> I'll notch up to a seven point five. Let's see. There you go. Uh, it's it's not quite great, and I, I still, you know, I'm still not necessarily convinced that this is the best story we should be doing, but. Um, I think this was probably a tighter issue overall than the last couple. Uh, but, you know, so there you go. Uh, the Flash, 794, Jeremy Adams writing Roger Cruz on the art. So mm-hmm. uh, next part of the One Minute War, Wally just went up in a puff of smoke in the yeah. in the Flashmobile last issue. Uh, this issue gives Irie uh, a chance to shine. This is uh, her on her own. Uh, obviously, Lady Death's there to confront her. Miss Murder. Yeah, or sorry, Miss Murder, not Lady Death. <laughs> close Lady enough. Close, this, this... That's an actual different character from another comics company. Aye, but it, yeah. It, yeah. it means the same thing. Lady Death, Miss Murder. They're 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 synonyms. <laughs> Kinda, yeah, I could, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh... I do like that she that Irie does have her dad's sense of talking smack. Oh yeah, she she is trash talking the entire time. Yeah. My favorite thing of this though. As we set up last issue that Superman, because he's Superman and not a regular mm-hmm. person, he's maybe slightly aware of what's going on, and he's maybe mm-hmm. moving slightly. So he actually helps Irie here, because it just so happens that Miss Murder's like standing in front of him, so he just very slowly grabs the back yep. of her like uh, cloak or whatever it is. Cape, yeah. Yeah, and when, you know, basically just grabs a hold of it. So he basically helps out Irie in whatever way he can. Uh, and you know, Irie thanks him before she goes, but he's still standing there, kind of frozen, because he, he still can't move properly. Right. But he just he did what he could just to help out. I just yeah. I love I love this idea of like frozen Superman standing there, knowing what's happening and being aware of it. And, like, what can I do without barely yeah. moving to help? <laughs> I, I I got caught up reading this about like what's he perceiving this all as? Like, because everyone else, this is all going on over the course of a minute, right? So like. How is Superman perceiving this? Is he seeing like flashes and blurs, you know, or is he moving in like slow motion because he's fighting whatever, you know, <clears throat> speed force device the, that they, they're using? Um, yeah, I thought about that for a long time. 
and it, it kind of tripped me up, so I stopped thinking about it and just, you know, read the book for what it was. And you know, I read getting Superman's help. I, it, I really enjoyed. It, it, it's a fun bit. Yeah, I wouldn't overthink it too much. Just, yeah. just go with it. One hundred percent. It was just one of those yeah. things. So, but yeah, her, him grabbing Miss Murder's cape and given Irie just enough time and then um, then we get my favorite running thing in this issue which is Irie uses her brother like a, a wrecking ball so, yeah it's like the fastball special yeah you know uh, yeah. but it's really funny because every time she does it because her brother's still frozen still he just looks like awkwardly posed so she's just like i yeah. almost get the idea that she's having like some sick satisfaction of being like just huh? just 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 ragdolling them around like he's yeah. like he's a plaything. yeah it is like when you play one of those games that has ragdoll physics and you just see what you can make the character do um and yeah so he's just yeah and the art here cruz is having a lot of fun with the different positions that that uh, jay's in absolutely uh, so the rest of the family are getting attacked by the fraction, of course, after their failed mm-hmm. attempt to to win the day, and uh, of course it's uh, I Ray comes in, great full page spread, uh, mm-hmm. just just as they're at their worst, uh, and Jay kind of smiles and goes, "That's my granddaughter coming," and yep. she's running and she's got kind of her brother like trapped in like her lightning behind her. Yep. Uh, so she's dragging him like the tether. Yeah, uh, with her. And starts just throwing them around uh, into all the bad guys. So we get a couple of fun action sequences here. Um, and what's really sad though is that Irie does all this not knowing that her dad, as you know, as far as we know right now, is dead. Right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, Barry later on, you know, the cliffhanger of the issue is that Barry's got an idea that'll reverse everything that's happened, including you assume Iris as well, and right. everyone will be back, and that makes sense. But it's actually quite yeah. sad uh, when she finds out. You know, and like yeah, the, the panel, her, the panel of her hugging her mother, and they're both crying yeah, their eyes her out. And, her and Linda, that that got me big, you know, because um, it's really not a flash, you know, without some form of tragedy. Um, so this is, I feel like, because Irie will remember this, you would assume, right? Because the flashes tend to not, you know, forget these tiny whiny type things. It's why I think it would be more dramatically interesting if she does remember, yes. If, if, yeah. if you know, if in the future when her dad's gonna out to be the flash, if she remembers, mm-hmm. oh you died, and I remember yeah. what it felt like when you died, even right. though it got reversed, that would that would mean I think that would be a big right. deal for the character if she did. Well because I was gonna say because that that's what Barry and Iris kind of feel like, you know, that they feel these other lives. And you know, you would feel that Iris would feel or Irie would feel the same. So um, I do, I do yeah, love I though that that page where they are hugging uh, Irie mm-hmm. and Linda. Uh, it's the bottom of that page where you get like a bit of comic relief after the really sad moment mm-hmm. where Linda looks up and just sees uh, young Jay upside down in the wall yeah. and says, "Is that your brother?" As if like, yeah. what the hell? Like yeah. that 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 legitimately made me laugh. It was such a good mm-hmm. pick me up after the really sad part. Yeah. Uh, so really good stuff. Uh, Jay has been taken by the fraction, though. Uh, old Jay, that is. Uh, Jay yep. Garrick. <laughs> and he's being tortured, and he's just kind of like, you know... He, Fucking mess. Yeah, he's, he's just... Like, is that all you got? That's very Indiana Jones. Pretty much, yeah. He's going full Indiana Jones, quite right. Uh, and this is where Barry uh, is with the others, and he has his idea. He writes a bunch of formula up on the, the board, and he's like... He basically says, I think I've got a way to win, but not just win, but to also make sure this never happened in the first place. Mm-hmm. So that sets up maybe our win conditions for the rest of the arc. Yeah. And then uh, we have Jay breaking free as he's about to be dissected by uh, the Fraction's, I don't know, scientist. Yeah. <laughs> also, I, I do like that. So we've gotten a little, you know, some of the soldiers in the Fraction and the main leader of this, you know, we haven't seen the 
the queen or whatever. But I do like the, you know, some of the aliens that are hanging out with the fraction. I gave it a very big sci-fi, you know, like a big sci-fi alien monster type stuff. Not that it was needed, but it's always welcome for me. Um, so like the, the scientist that's going to cut into Jay and, you know, Jay is able to, to, you know, redirect the laser and get out of his cuffs. By, and by spitting his tooth at him. Yep. Uh, should, should we point out? That's uh, right. So... Yeah, so we end the issue with Jake seemingly going diehard with like going through mm-hmm. their like uh, their ship uh, with a big rifle, a big alien rifle in his hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's I got what... a machine gun now. Ho ho ho! Yeah, that, that's basically the cliffhanger. He's you know his shirt's all ripped, and uh, yeah, he looks, so he looks rad as hell. Uh, yeah, also, that... you, we we didn't talk that we finally got Irie's code name, and it's just okay. Yeah, I I, I like it, but I'm predisposed, you know. Um, so, so she, based off of some of the, the conversation, well, not conversation, the dialogue between her and, uh, Miss Murder, where, you know, she's talking about how, you know, they feel the thunder and, and everything. And there was also that vibe throughout of when Irie was coming, it's almost like they could feel it, you know, and, and it's because of the, the amount of determination this girl has that she, she declares herself Thunderheart, uh, which not at all is what I was guessing. But I do, I give it points for creativity. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, sure, I'm, I'm sure it'll grow on me. I'll get used to it. Yeah. But it's, it's not really striking me as a great title right now. Yeah. But, you know. Well, uh, I'm glad it just wasn't, they, they just weren't going with, you know, like, because we have the Judy Garrick stuff as she's the boom. So this feels kind of similar to that, you know. Um, but it also feels like a name a little kid would pick. Right? Like, it's kind of... You know, a little bit much, and she is. I don't know how old she's meant to be, but she's you know a tween. You think like ten, eleven. So, but yeah, uh, I think it's fine. I think it, it fits her, and just the just the idea of of her, you know, becoming Flash. It's only a temporary name, right? So she'll she'll be Flash eventually. Um, yeah. Um. No, that's just a good issue. This like I think one minute wars delivered quite well. It's been very mm-hmm. quick paced. I think the double shipping was the right choice for it because it's mm-hmm. moving at a sort of you know i think, I think the pace for it's fitting that schedule quite nicely yeah. uh yeah no i enjoyed this i enjoyed it this gave Irie the spotlight for for an mm-hmm. issue especially with that cliffhanger from last issue with miss murder showing up with Irie yeah. on her own it felt right to have her not only have a big moment and like fighting back against her but also getting to show up and be this basically save the day with the rest of mm-hmm. them uh, it was was quite nice, uh, and then having the emotional moment with her mother, you know, they, they, yeah. had, had all the bits and pieces that I think you uh, want. And it seems like Jay's going to get his spotlight maybe next issue based on this ending, yeah, uh, with him, you know, breaking free and being alone inside the enemy like building or ship. And, you know? I, and I wonder if that's going to give them the time that they need for Barry to execute this tiny whimey, go back and stop the fraction from being able to invade. Oh yeah, whatever you know? he's planning. I mean, Maybe yeah. the, maybe there'll be a treadmill involved or so I don't know, but yeah. Well, it also makes me wonder about Adams seeding that that future stuff in that one shot that we got with with Jay and uh, Irie as the Flash, and you know it's like the second incursion of the fractions. I wonder if that's going to come back around because they do the timey wimey. It creates like this nexus, and and we get like a big huge Flash family, you know, um, able to push them back. So. Man, it just feels like Adams is having fun on this, and I'm enjoying the ride for sure. I'm glad, 
I'm glad listening to you talk about the Eclipso stuff got me to go back and get reinvested. Which is so funny, because I think it's like the weakest part of the, the run, but... Mm-hmm. No, yeah, but still, it was enough, like, when, once you started talking about, you know, um, uh, what's her name? Animal, Animal Man's kid. Maxine. Uh, Maxine. Once you started bringing her up, I was like, oh, I should go back, because it feels like they're having fun. Uh, so, that's what it's been. So, um... Hope, hopes, you know, for Wally. Hope he's all right. Hope they can piece him back together, you know, from the time stream. Or well, what, what do you mean hope? Like, like we know he will. Issue eight hundred is the celebration of yeah. Wally West, and then issue eight hundred one's right. the or issue one is the new yeah. run, which is also right. starring Wally West. I'm feeling pretty confident that Wally West is going to make it out of this. Okay, Matt. Yeah, I know, but still, you know, just I want to see him re, you know, come out of that explosion. Okay, that's all. We know he's going to. Calm down. Do you, yeah. You're such a mark. You know that? You're such a I mark. I am because cause DC has conditioned me that Wally's always in danger. Thanks, DDO. You <laughs> know he has nothing to do with this. It's just it's part of it now. Oh, dear. What are you rating the Flash 794, Matt? I'm going to give this an 8.5. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with that. I'm having a good time. I like these characters mm-hmm. a lot. I like the focus on the supporting cast. Uh, I think it's a big part of of comics that was missing for so long that it's nice that it's really been embraced with a lot of the current runs. Uh, yep. Flash being no exception, so uh, very good. Alright. Poison Ivy issue 10, G. Willow Wilson with Marcio mm-hmm. Takara on the R. That's yep. all you, Matt. Take it away. Yeah, so in this issue uh, Pam and Janet um, well, Pam decides that she's going to drive across country uh, back to Gotham to, to go be with Harley, because you know Harley's her one true somebody. And uh, Janet's like, well, wait, if you're driving, can can I come with? Because, you know, we're friends now. And would you mind, you know, making a stop in California for this health and wellness retreat? Which which makes Pam's like red flags just go. They're like, well, she goes, this is the type of stuff that I, I rail against, you know. And she's like, well, no, it's like, you know, it, it's. uh Conscious capitalism, which and Pam's like, okay, no, this smells fishy. There's no no version of of this type of stuff is gonna be okay for the earth. So Pam goes uh, uh, originally like she's gonna go stop this lady, and um, so she agrees to go. And this wellness retreat is essentially how familiar are you with Gwyneth Paltrow's company uh, Goop Therapy? Uh, I mean, not at all. I mean, honestly, the idea that she's got a company called Goop is quite shocking okay. to me. Uh, yes, because I think a Goop, I think of ooze, I think a slime. Yeah, whoa, and whoa. that's kind of what's going on. So the the lady that's definitely not Gwyneth Paltrow is Gwendolyn Caltro. Well, hold on. before you tell me what's happening in the yes. comic, mm-hmm. well, what does what what does Goop make? What are Goops? So so Goop is this health and wellness lifestyle brand. That, you know, Gwyneth talks about all of the stuff that she does to keep herself healthy. And it's all of this, like, super expensive, you know, essential oils. And you have to uh, buy this, all the special stuff. And it's kind of like a mid-level marketing kind of thing. Um, and there's no scientific basis or anything. It's just, it's essentially to make you feel like you're being, like, one with the earth by following this plan. It's, it's all a bunch of hokum. You know, but uh, uh, as what Pam's going to find out, though, too, is like 
yeah, it might be hokum, but it puts people in the right mentality to want to help, right? So, so they go, and this company is, um, uh, where, where's the name? It's something, it's Gloop. G-L with the, and then an O with, like, the slash mark in it. So I don't know how that's pronounced. Um, and uh, as they're driving down the coast, they come across this uh, ranch where they're doing outdoor yoga classes. And Pam's like, ugh, everything smells like patchouli oil. This is terrible. Um, and when when they pull in, this Gwendolyn lady is, is giving like a press conference uh, and how she's so excited that all these women can be here for this retreat. And, you know, she's here, you know, it's going to be a lifetime of making memories and, and healing. And then Pam realizes, she's like, well, this is annoying, but like, she has no ill will towards the earth. So maybe I was wrong. Um, to when, you know, uh, Janet's like, you know, isn't this what you like, Pam? Like, you want to save the earth? And she's like, yeah, but not like this. Um, and so she's like, well, I'll just check it out. And as she's checking it out, something in the tree line catches her eyes. And it looks like Woodrow's hand. And she's like, oh, okay, of course. Woodrow's behind this. This is something he would do. This is just another one of his disciples. So she follows that, you know, kind of creepiness to this barn. And when she gets in there, it, there's like this... Not a lab, but almost like a greenhouse kind of thing set up where they're prepping fresh food from from this ranch. And um, Pam's asking the ladies that are working, hey, did you see the tree man? And they're like, hey, man, what are you on? Because we, we haven't even started that portion of the of the thing yet. And she realizes that she's just being very paranoid because this is how she's processing her, you know, PTSD of, you know, she had to deal with the the evil man that created her. She's dispatched him, but those scars aren't going to heal overnight. So as she's going through this, um, they offer her some of this tea and they're like, oh, she's like, well, what's in it? And they're like, oh, it's adaptogenic green juice. And it's got, you know, maca powder and celery juice in a proprietary wild forage combination of mushrooms. And she's like, oh, okay, wild forage mushrooms. You got to be careful because one bad you know if you pick the wrong one you're in for a bad night and they're like oh we're very careful so her and janet drink this green juice and they start tripping a lot like the way that ivy was tripping when she was using the um the other mushrooms um which i'm, I'm drawing a blank on what they're called but they're the same ones in last of us um the the parasitic ones and janet's like oh yeah no this is like the first time that i saw you and and that I decided, like, you know, I was going to change my life and move to Seattle. Um, but, you know, Pam tries to push back at it. But Janet's like, no, you, you just got to let go and sometimes, you know, just give in. And as Pam's trying to go away, it starts to hit her. And Janet turns her around and they start kissing when and Pam's like, no, this this isn't right. And like the. <laughs> the mushroom elixir like takes over and she ends up essentially in an orgy in this barn with all of these ladies. And, you know, she's talking about how she, you know, feels one with the earth for the first time in a while. And she's happy. And that like, Oh, Harley would understand because Harley would want me to be happy. And so she's all, 
you know, she's trying to rationalize all of this. Um, and, and Janet, you know, even though she's feeling guilty, um, Janet's like, oh, so is this what it's like to be you? You know, is this how you experience everything? And Ivy's like, yeah, well, well kind of, but I still think you're pretty high. Like, you need to come down. Uh, and then Gwendolyn comes in and um, starts talking to the girls like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, part of the experience. This is why you signed up. And she looks down at her arm and there's a mushroom growing out of her. And so Harley looks at or Harley. Ivy looks at it and is like, oh, my God, this is just like the this is just like the mushrooms that I was going to spread. And she realizes as they all start growing on all these ladies that they just, you know, had that experience with. Um, because of how, you know, plant life changes and adapts, the, the mushrooms that, that, uh, Ivy was going to use have adapted and have, have made their way out into the wild, except instead of turning people into parasitic monster zombies, they, you know, they're kind of these hallucinogens that came straight from Pam. So, you know. This is now her problem, and I feel this is where the, the book's going to go now, is her trying to fix this issue. Um, thoroughly enjoying, was not expecting a, you know, a wellness retreat orgy with, with Ivy and her friend, and Ivy feeling guilty about going into that. But all the art, when it gets into the really psychedelic stuff, Takara and the coloring, just really pop. And instead of being like the scary psychedelic that we had gotten earlier on in the book, Everything just kind of melds together and the colors are super bright and there's not an ominous sense to it, even though it's drawing from the same kind of vibe. So um, really, really enjoyed this. Uh, I kind of and, you know, it's a little mean spirited, but I did kind of enjoy the shots taking it and that whole goop and gloop and that kind of stuff. But eventually, like Ivy, I feel like as long as they're not hurting anybody. Right. If people want to spend their money on this, you know, snake oil you know, as long as they're not using it to treat actual diseases, if they're just, you know, using it to make themselves feel better, what is it hurting? Um, but yeah, here Ivy's now responsible for this, this, you know, a hallucinogenic trip because of, you know, her trying to, her trying to, you know, change the world. And she might actually be closer to it than ever before. Um, so I'm going to give this an 8.5. Uh, really, really enjoying it, seeing what Wilson's going to be doing. As long as the car is on the art, I am still going to be happy. All right, cool. Mm -hmm. uh, Monkey Prince, issue 12. Jin Lin Yang writing with huh? Bernard Chang on the art. Oh, boy. Um, this this book used to be a nice little self-contained, right? It was just <laughs> Monkey Prince. But thanks to Lazarus Planet, man, if you weren't reading Lazarus Planet, you'd kind of be... not. You wouldn't be lost because it's not written like that. But there's a lot that happened with Monkey Prince in there that informs his character here eventually. Um, so this issue starts off with Monkey Prince coming back with, with Shaifu, Big Z, off of the defeat of uh, Fireball King. Um, and Fireball King, um, he tries to make his escape, and they're able to put him in this, like, uh, that happens later, actually. So they have him defeated. He's, like, in this crystal kind of chrysalis, and this... This lady shows up, who I'm pretty sure is supposed to be his mom, one with Neza, um, and she frees him from there. And, it, you know, he's able to to resurrect his demon army, um, and they go to attack uh, Monkey Prince and Supergirl. Um, 
But as they're forming their army, um, uh, Shalustria, who was the lady from Happy Harbor, who's part trench, um, she's coming back because she feels like there's there's stuff going on and that even though she initially wanted to eat Marcus, he's like, oh, well, you know, I think that she's misunderstood just as much as I am. And I've learned from dealing with Fireball King and Neza that understand misunderstandings can lead to people being branded something they're not. So he, you know, he agrees to work with her on on, on the condition she stops calling him Tasty Monkey. Um Shaifu Pigsy takes him to, to teach him to meditate because he's having a hard time dealing with all of the clones that he had learned to do from from uh, the Monkey King. Um, and at one point um, when they're fighting Fireball King, they kind of get all out of control and he has to learn to he kind of forgets which one he is. So Shaifu's up there to teach him how to calm himself and find, you know, basically find the balance again. So as he's doing this, um, Fireball King comes in, attacks Supergirl, um, and he's going to try to drain her key. Um, and because his army says that Supergirl has one of the eight immortal powers. So that that's another twist, because we've seen, you know, when when um, Jane Lun Yang was writing um, uh, New Superman, we had seen how uh, Keenan Kong had, had unlocked his power through that, you know, the, the different levels of path. Um, had no idea that, that they would see the Kryptonian powers as like one of these immortal type things. So um, Fireball King, in, in order to reach full power, he's going to drain Supergirl, which Monkey Prince isn't going to let happen. So he shows up, they fight, he uses his clones because now he has full control over them. You know, because he he realizes who he truly was, and then Fireball King tries to pull some psychology on him, and is like, "Well, you know, you're not the actual son of the Monkey King. You're just a stray hair, and you know, you you are nothing, and you'll always be nothing." And Marcus thinks back to his family and his mom and his dad and his earliest memory of being taken home, and you know, even though his grandpa's the ultra humanite, it was a very caring you know, environment and that, you know, that, yeah, he might've started as a hare, but the magic of the monkey King and the phantom zone had formed him into this baby. And as essentially, even though he's not a biological son, he is the legacy of monkey King. And with that realization, you know, um, he's able to, to push through and help Supergirl and, you know, they fight back fireball King they defeat him. That's where Shaifu shows up with this orb and they put Fireball King in there as this lady is, is watching on and going, huh, interesting. Um, seems like the Monkey Prince is going to be more trouble. So it ends with, with Supergirl calling Monkey Prince MP because through the whole issue, he's been calling her SG and she's been kind of annoyed by that. But as a show of respect, she, you know, she, she gives him, you know, uh, that little nickname and then they hug which Marcus is very happy about. Uh, and then he goes home and, you know, his mom has been healed by, by grandpa through the ultra humanite science. And he realizes like, this is just the start of his journey is that mom and dad are probably going to go back to henching because that's what they do. And, you know, grandpa is this mega super villain, you know, but those experiences are what made him, 
him and he, you know he has his group of friends now he has supergirl he has uh shelly the, the the half trent and um uh, shaifu pigsy and, and it ends with marcus in a in a hopeful spot that he's not conquered his, his anxiety but it, it's not as prevalent anymore and that he's able to fully embrace who he is you know warts and all and then you know it says you know not the end but the beginning and it ends um so again having read all of lazar's planet you get a really informed view of marcus in this i don't know because i already had that information i don't know how this would have read without having that information because it does start to kind of jump around with the fireball king and we really didn't get him in the pages of monkey prince uh up to this point they kind of hinted at him and you know he had his demon um you know his demon henchman with the penguin in um in happy harbor and all that stuff but but yeah real real fun little book um i hope yang gets gets more time it didn't seem like it was selling at least digitally very well so maybe this will be one of those books that gets like a one shot every so often um but just like new superman it's yang playing in the sandbox that's you know he's free to do what he wants and tell these type of stories so I'm, I'm always there for that and in fact i would love to see monkey prince you know meet up with the justice league of china at some point you know just to see how he plays off of them well he's doing um, one of the uh the new asian characters right uh yeah i believe so later in the year. i think it's city is it city boy or is that greg pack i think that's greg pack's character okay so um, let's see the other one you know it says something about my age i mean you said that he was mm-hmm. calling supergirl sp when I hear SG. Oh, SG, yeah. yeah. I think you said SP. And I, okay. the first thing I thought of when you said SP was Sharp Play f- uh, oh. on a VHS. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, so she, he called her SG and through the book. And so she replies by calling him MP, you know, for Monkey Prince. Mm. And it's their fun little stuff. Um, but yeah, a lot like how, how Keenan kind of endeared himself to the Super Family. It feels like that's how Yang's getting these characters in is that they get this, the respect from the super family, which, which I like, you know, it, it plays with that because these are all kind of magic-based characters, so they don't seem to fit in with the Kryptonians, but they work. So, but yeah, um, pretty pretty fun little series. This issue, though, I'll give it a 7 out of 10. Okay. Um, so every month on Patreon.com slash TV, you can make myself or Connor read a book if Connor's, like, alive. I mean, who knows? Yeah. He's got no internet Where right now. He? He, well, he just moved house. He's got, I think he's getting his yeah. internet back in a couple of days' time. But he was he was offline for, like, two weeks. Uh, so, anyway, uh, my first Patreon book that I'm talking about today is American Vampire Issue 30. Uh, we found out last issue that I read that Skinner is actually behind some of the the, the vampire coven that's that's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, this issue is kind of a sad issue in which Skinner finally gets something he's wanted the entire time, and that is to uh, have sex with Pearl. Uh, mm-hmm. And it kind of you know it makes you sad because it starts off with this flashback of when Henry asked Pearl to marry him, and he played her this song that he they had recorded for her. To do it and then it like cuts to him in the hospital bed pearl feeling sad um calvin's there looking after him and pearl is so determined to go out and uh you know hunt down the rest of these vampires these like hollywood producers that are hiding the vampires that she doesn't stay there and calvin says why don't i go instead you've barely spent any time with with henry 
And she's like, no, I need to go out and find these guys. And I think what this issue is doing, and kind of what builds up to her making this, like, sort of in-the-moment choice to have sex with Skinner, uh, which comes at a kind of, like, moment of weakness, is that Pearl, her whole life, is, or ever since she's been with Henry, has been fearing the day that he won't be there anymore, right? This idea that she wants to turn into a vampire and he's been saying no, and that one day he'll be gone and she'll still be there, is that... I think that she doesn't like being there in the hospital bed with him because it's this, like, horrible, like, the truth's coming soon. Or, you know, the, this idea that his mortality is right in front of her, that it's he's, he's at near his end, he might die, and she can't handle this. It's this thing she's been scared of all this time. So she's almost avoiding spending time with them in the hospital room uh, by going and hunting the vampires and getting her rage out by doing that. Uh, so... A lot of the, this issue, after this op- early opening scene, uh, setting this stuff up, is her and uh, Skinner going to a house of a producer who Pearl points out was one of the producers on the movie that she was uh, an extra in back in the first arc of the book. And this guy comes out on his balcony and just starts like blasting uh, bullets at them. He's got a machine gun. And very quickly they realize these are gold bullets. So they do hurt them. Uh, so her and Skinner are hiding. Uh, it's kind of a nice moment here where, you know, like, basically, Pearl says, like, this guy's acting like it's the Old West, and then Skinner just goes, oh, perfect, and he just walks out with his gun and just sort of, like, shoots him, and it's basically just reminded everyone, yeah, Skinner was, like, a villain in the in the Wild West before he became a vampire. This is kind of, like, this is a, an old skill set that he had before, uh, and he says that he still got it after he takes the guy out. Uh, so we have this big action sequence and we get them uh the guy does get away though uh he runs to a boat and uh they have to chase chase him to the boat pearl goes out of the boat and just starts ripping people to shreds there's a great two-page layout uh all the coloring turns to orange and shades of orange and black uh so you really get this sense of just carnage because you know the rest of it before that you know it's a lot of muted blues and grays and things like that to talk because they're in like a cave system after they go into the house and all that um so the big thing is she gets knocked out though at the end of this two-page layout and she wakes up and skinner's holding her says that he finished off the vampires and he's like feeding her some blood and i think what the book's getting at here towards the end is that while she doesn't like skinner very much skinner represents someone who can who's like her who will never like die of mortality he'll you know he'll never get old and die and she doesn't have to fear it the same way that she does with Henry. So, like, this moment of weakness kind of bubbles up where uh, she, cause he, cause she's like, let's go and try and get killed whoever the next person is on the list. And he's like, look, you're still injured from the last one. Maybe we should take the rest of the day off and go after the next person tomorrow. And she's determined to do it. And she's crying. Uh, Skinner holds her and she turns and kisses him. And then, of course, for the dramatic, you know, crescendo of this, we then intercut between the hospital room and them having sex, and of course Henry wakes up before the end of this scene and says, oh, where's no. Pearl? And the last page is him saying, Where, where's Pearl? And Pearl's like butt-ass naked with Skinner uh, at this rich guy's house. So, it's uh, it's a really tragic kind of issue that makes you feel really sad, because she's sort of given in into this sort of temptation. And I suspect that it is purely just because Skinner like... He is the opposite of Henry. I think that's the appeal of him right now, is that 
Henry's someone that she's scared she's going to have to lose someday, even if he gets better right now. Because Henry's, you know, he long made the decision that he didn't want to be turned into a vampire. And uh, she's struggling to deal with that. So, yeah, it's a really, it's a really sad issue. It, it does crescendo kind of properly. It does feel like a big deal that after all this time, this is finally happening. Because Skinner's, like, kind of been trying to be flirtatious with her for basically since issue one. Um, uh, but, you know, uh, Calvin's playing the song that was played when they got engaged uh, for Henry, and that's when he wakes up. Uh, it's a great page because it's, like, top half's Henry leaning up out of his hospital bed saying where's Pearl and the bottom half is just like you know surrounded by red it's just these two naked bodies uh and you feel kind of awful about the whole thing uh so it's a gut punch of an issue you kind of feel like it's building to something sad it feels like she does want to like stay away from Henry in the hospital room and when I say hospital room it's in the VM's headquarters but it's still like a you know it's a hospital room Mm -hmm. uh so yeah Good issue. Probably my favourite issue of this arc. Uh, still not quite living up to that Dracula arc in the, the miniseries, but... Yeah, uh, Nightmares is pretty, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, but th- this was good stuff that feels like it's kind of paying off, like long arcs that's been happening in the book. Um, so I'm not looking forward to Pearl's guilt next issue, <laughs> because she's mm-hmm. going to feel guilty, and it's probably going to be very painful to read. So... Uh, worth mentioning. But, you know, the issue, like, I feel like comics in general have this thing where they have to uh, have uh, an equal quota, or always get, like, the action scene in. Mm. And the action scene is is a lot of fun. The producer just acted like a madman firing a machine gun off his balcony uh, is pretty entertaining. Uh, And a lot of Pearl that get after people and ripping them apart, also entertaining. Uh, But the the, the real meat of this issue is the, the... kind of her or her vulnerable side coming out and uh making a potentially a very big mistake <laughs> so uh yeah solid eight out of ten i would say on this one uh good stuff so cool uh my other patreon book uh this episode is batman and the outsiders issue one uh i did the sort of the the lead-in teaser for it from uh brave and the bold last time this uh like, I kind of get why the trade put that story a little bit later now that I've read issue one, uh, because that that story is set after the team's already formed, and this issue one and this first arc is the formation of the team. So I get that they were just sort of thinking, oh, we'll have it in chronological like, storytelling order as opposed to the order that was released. But um, I still would have put it first because it's like how people read it at the time. But um, yeah, so... You know, I will say first off, I really enjoyed reading this because I don't, I haven't read enough comics from this like you know time period really, mm-hmm. uh, and it does make me want to read more comics from this time period. You know, the Bronze Age into the the, the post crisis kind of period. Uh, yeah, is this is from eighty three, right? Yeah, yeah, this is from the yeah, okay. uh, that 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 time frame. Uh, so Lucius is going off to Markovia uh, for business stuff. Uh, Bruce is saying goodbye to him. And then Batman goes to deal with uh, some villainy, whatnot, you know, the usual stuff. Uh, but then when Batman gets back to the cave, um, he finds out that uh, there's been some problem in Markovia and Lucius Fox has been kidnapped uh, or he's been missing in Markovia. And immediately he's like, shit, like, assemble the league. So we go to the Watchtower 
uh, in space, and like Flash is complaining, or sorry, sorry, I tell a lie. Green, Green mm. Arrow's complaining that Batman's late, even though he's the one that called the meeting. Uh, and when Batman gets there, he finds out that because like the the international tensions are high with Markovia, and there's a lot of political stuff going on with it, the Justice League have agreed not to get involved with Markovia, and Batman's like, what? I never agreed to that. And honestly, Superman comes off a bit aggressive here, where he's like, the matter is closed, Batman. I said no member of the Justice League would interfere, and I gave my word. This is one of these little things that I notice when I read comics from this era, is that sometimes characters do sound a little bit off with like how they mm-hmm. like get angry and stuff. Because this is the sort of like tone that I would never expect Superman to take <laughs> any other time. Uh, but Batman basically says, all right, well, in that case, I resign. I'm not in the Justice League anymore. <laughs> I hand in my badge. I'm going off to like save Lucius Fox. Uh, so, yeah, Batman goes to Markovia. Uh, not on his own though. He actually, uh, we find out quite quickly that he's brought uh, Jefferson Pierce along to pretend to be Lucius Fox's brother, who's going to trade gold bars to get his brother back. Uh, that's the <laughs> that's the ruse. Bruce has given him some gold bars, and he's going to go and buy uh, Lucius Fox's freedom, but. Would you believe it? It's a comic book, so lots of antics get in the way as this plan's unfolding. But when we get to meet, uh, you know, Brian uh, and that, you know, uh, and his mm-hmm. brother Gregor, uh, the father's sick and and dying, and they're like, Gregor's going to be king. Uh, Brian wants to work with uh, with Jace, the scientist, uh, because uh, they mentioned Tara, uh, which you know. Now I'm thinking about it. This would have been coming out a long side new teen yeah. titans new teen titans would have been maybe a year or two old at this point so they mentioned tara when when they're talking like hey tara's gone but she had powers before she left uh uh you know brian wants his own powers so he's determined but she does get them but at the end of this issue he's been into a chamber and chases jace has flipped a switch and he comes out uh, uh you know as geoforce mm-hmm. I don't, he's not named himself yet maybe he'll just have his name next issue i don't mm-hmm. know but um so, yeah, uh, we, we, we get Jefferson's big ruse to try and get, get Lucius Fox back, and they seem to be going for it, but unfortunately for them, uh, just as he's making his negotiations with, uh, uh, the, oh, who's, who's the guy, what's his name, the guy who's in charge here, uh, the general, whoever it is, uh, he, uh, gets stabbed in the back, uh, through the tent that they're in and that's how katana <laughs> comes into the book nice katana <laughs> kills them. and immediately all the soldiers are like wait a minute you must be in in this uh you you know mr pierce and or mr fox maybe they think he's called and he's like oops well there's no way they're going to believe that i had nothing to do with that so i'm going to have to like you know get into costume and do stuff uh but we do straight have like uh speech bubbles for the sword for katana uh as she's like running away from the gunfire and slicing and dicing uh jefferson gets knocked out in the back of the head uh by a soldier and batman's like you know he's like hiding in the trees or or hiding in like a building and going shit everything's going bad uh you know the the, uh, jefferson's getting taken to the baron uh who's in charge of the whole thing and just as this happens halo comes into the book by just kind of crash landing next to batman and he wakes her up and she blasts him and then she clearly doesn't know who she is she doesn't know her name and 
Batman's like, hey, you look kind of weak. How long has it been since you've eaten food? And Halo responds with, food? What's food? So <laughs> clearly she needs some help. She's she's not all there yeah. with it. Uh, but Batman tries to you know use her to deal with the situation, you know, gets her to get involved. Uh, Geoforce becomes Geoforce. Uh, yeah, the, the the word Geoforce is used, but it's not used as a name form. Uh, Jay says, but the Geoforce you will receive comes from the Earth itself. So, huh. yeah, so I assume he's just going to take that as his name. Well, so. that'd be like Flash being called Speed Force. Right? Yeah. yeah. Which, which could work. It could work. They, yeah. they could call the team, like, you could have a team of species called Speed Force. That'd make sense. Yeah. Speed Force 5. For sure. No? Okay. I was going to say that, and I'm glad I didn't, because you did. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. Uh, basically, Geoforce ends up fighting a bunch of the soldiers, um, and he actually does get shot in the back. Uh, and that's when it turns out that a PI that we saw for, like, one page earlier who was, like, asking for directions to get to, like, this secret lab uh, where this, all these experiments were going on, uh, pulls off his skin and his wig to reveal himself to be Metamorpho. So we don't know why <laughs> Metamorpho's here. Metamorpho just kind of is, is also here. Um, and he starts beating up some of the soldiers. And then he gets, like, uh, like shot or whatever, and he falls to pieces. So, like... They literally, like, pick up parts of Metamorpho, put them in a bag, uh, they bury Geoforce thinking he's dead, but then Geoforce just comes out of the ground like the Undertaker. You know, the hand comes up through the dirt, <laughs> as you do. Um, Batman's getting a lift from Halo. Halo's flying him into, like, the, the area. Um, and there's actually, there's a really cool moment here, actually, where uh, Batman's told Halo to stay back, and he's, like, sneaking up to see, you know, to see what's what. And there's a soldier sneaking up behind Batman, and you see Halo think, oh, Batman doesn't see that soldier. Soldier, I do, though, so I'll intervene. And she blasts the soldier, and Batman yells out, no, I heard him coming, which I kind of believe, because he's Batman, right? He was just kind of waiting for him to get close. Uh, but obviously this makes a lot of noise, and the other soldiers in the vicinity all start coming towards Batman. Uh, so he gets hit as well. He gets knocked out. And he wakes up, chained to a wall, next to Jefferson. There's pieces of metamorpho on the ground. But Lucius Fogg's in the room, also chained up, so he found Lucius. They're all in chains, but he found Lucius, so that's that's a plus. Um, yep. Yeah, so that's when uh, uh, Baron Bedlam comes in. He's the one in charge here. Uh, and that's the uh, that's the cliffhanger uh, for the end of the issue. Uh, do, you know, do you know what I like about this era of comics and, you know, reading this? Is that I think, see, when you go back to the Silver Age, because I've read some classic, you know, some of the early Hal Jordan stuff, mm-hmm and whatnot, is that they're a little bit of a shorty read, because they're not as bad as the Golden Age, but they still over-describe too much, so there's a lot of yeah. reading, and a lot of it's kind of redundant, and it's kind of harder to get into. I feel like there's a nice balance in this era, where it still feels a bit more old-school than present-day stuff, but it's 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 in a much more pleasant reading style, and like, I really enjoyed reading this issue, and it felt like it was you know of a different time, but still very well-crafted, and I was still kind of like getting solid introductions to all these characters. That This was very much an issue where all... Like, with the exception of Jefferson, who comes with Batman, everyone here in the team is all here for different reasons and just kind of end up being lumped together. And it's like, okay, obviously by the end of this story, they're all going to, like, form a team and, like, 
agree to like be led by Batman, but right now there are a bunch of weirdos who have all just kind of like stumbled into each other um, as you know stuff's going down in Markovia. So uh, I, I am excited to see where where it goes. It is fun reading like these early stories of these because you know, I've read a few of the early issues of New Teen Titans. It's something that I would love to get back to someday, um, and you know read the whole thing but mm-hmm. uh th- this was this was exciting to go through the uh you know sequ- sequential art is pretty solid oh again very much of an older era where it is mostly just you know boxes there's there's very little in the way of like you know wacky layouts or, or anything like that but um you know it, it it's funny because it feels like as dense as an older comic like a, a silver age comic but mm-hmm. there's more story in it than a silver age comic i would say uh, yeah. It has this kind of interesting balance where it's using all these extra panels uh, on its like twenty four pages to like just have more characters and have more things going on concurrently. So it's a lot more engaging to read than I would say a Silver Age comic is. And I felt the same about New Teen Titans when I when I've read some of that in the past. So, uh, but it's still a little denser and still you know it takes a little bit longer to read one of these comics than it does a a modern standard single issue. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, yeah, it feels like there's a lot going on in there. Yeah, yeah, a lot of characters, yeah. a lot of things. Uh, I like the world building, though. Obviously, you know, I've I've dabbled in Markovia stuff here or there, yeah. depending on you know books over the years. Uh, but this feels like it's kind of in the the early days of it. Oh, I assume it started in New Teen Titans because that's where Tara came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this probably was like the 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 second. This was them fleshing it out with Geoforce mm-hmm. uh, in this book. So very cool. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, I'd probably give us a comfortable eight. I would say this issue. Wow. So, had a good time. Yeah, it's it, it's very much the first part of a story though. You can't expect to get a full story out of it, but that's okay because no. it's you know serialized. It's fine. Right. So, yeah, uh, good stuff. Uh, all right, there you go. Uh, that'll take us out the part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff of the week, favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and then top five books. Although in my case, because it was a weird quiet week, I'll, I'll just rank my three books, but. Uh, <laughs> Ma, what is your panel slash moment of the week? So, um, there's some in Poison Ivy. A lot of that stuff with Takara is really good. Like the psychedelic uh, kind of stuff going through. But the one that I keep uh, going back to and thinking of was was Jay Garrick. You know, hearing the thunder and being like, that's my granddaughter. That was such a good moment. So that, that's going to be mine. Yeah, I was. Yeah, that was in contention for me. I think what I'm going to pick instead, though, is the slow Superman grabbing of Miss Murder because I just thought it was really funny realizing what was happening yeah. when I was when I was reading that page. I thought, that, I thought that was quite neat. So uh, I'm going to go with that uh, for cover. Uh, I think my easy pick is just the regular Flash cover uh, with mm-hmm. with Irie. I just think it looks really cool with like her in the sort of the running start and position with uh, mm-hmm. her dad kind of like behind her, but not focused yeah. on. Uh, although I will say that I do like the uh, Derek Chu variant of Batman because because it's very colorful. Uh, mm-hmm. It's Batman and Catwoman with all these like purple and blue sort of colors behind them. Uh, I'm into mm-hmm. it. So, what was your cover of the week? Yeah, so I do love that Flash cover with Irie in the starting position. It's super super nice. Uh, I went and looked at the other ones, but it is a week with Poison Ivy. Of course, it's also a week with Jenny Frisian. Um, but there's also a really, really nice Josh Middleton uh, Poison Ivy cover. However, the the red and the greens, 
uh, on the Frisian cover, just put it over for me. So I yeah, figured you'd pick a Poison Ivy, because that always has like 10 variants. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fair enough. Uh, what is your art of the week? Yeah, so um, nothing really popped this week. Yeah, I agree with it, that. Yeah, except for Takara for me, for Poison Ivy. I just, the way the colors hit, the, the way that he draws Pam and, and everyone else, um, and there's a sense of ominous throughout, so I'll uh, I'll go with uh, Takara for Poison Ivy. If I could pick American Vampire, I would, because that was the yeah. best art I read today. Yeah, right? But uh, I can't, so uh, definitely not Clayton Henry. I, it's probably Cruz for Flash. Yeah. I, I probably liked him the most out of the it's three good. books the I read. The expressions out of, out of uh, Irie are pretty spot on, and then drawing Jay upside down. No, yeah. young Jay. It's like, yeah. I'm happy to give it to that. And I, that's what I just yeah. mean to say, but there's definitely other weeks where it wouldn't stand a chance. But yeah. on this week, yeah, that'd be what I picked. Yeah. Uh, all right, rank your uh, books, Matt. All right, so number one, Poison Ivy. Two, The Flash. Three, Superman. Four, Batman. Five, uh, Monkey Prince. Yeah, simple for me. Number one is Flash. Number two is Adventures of Superman. Number three is Batman. Yeah, simple, simple, straightforward enough. I'll tell you what's coming next week from DC Comics. We have Justice Society of America, issue 3. We have Batgirls, 16. We have Danger Street, issue 4. We have Superman Lost, issue 1. So it'll be interesting to see how that kicks off. Mm -hmm. We have Lazarus Planet, Revenge of the Gods, issue 1, which is the uh, Shazam family plus the magic side of uh, like the follow-up that they're doing, that miniseries. Uh, We have Batman Incorporated, issue 6. We have Wildcats, issue 5. Batman The Adventure Continues Season 3, Issue 3. Multiversity Harley Screws Up the DCU, Issue 1. Uh, we have The Batman and Scooby-Doo Mysteries, Issue 6. And just to round it out for completion's sake, Looney Tunes, Issue 271. Mm-hmm. Uh, not something we typically look at. Uh, so, yeah, I've got five books next week. It's a bit, bit meatier. we got a Tom King book. we got uh, a Jeff Johns book. New Superman miniseries. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's intriguing enough, I would say. I'm counting anything I've six. I might try the Lazarus. It depends on, on my uh, week this week. So yeah, I, I'm planning on, on trying the Lazarus. But yeah. uh, you're reading Wildcats still, I assume, right? Yep. Yeah. I still got Wildcats going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're going to read Batgirls, right? Yes. Okay. Because you keep saying, ah, maybe I'll keep caught up. Maybe I won't. No, no, no. I got caught up last time. Yeah. yeah. About okay. Okay. So. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, that's the books that are coming next week. Uh, so that'll pretty much wrap up the show. I will uh, take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you very much to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Bordnow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Al Tribesman. And of course, to all our patrons, uh, thank you very much. You can, of course, support us over at patreon.com slash TV and help keep the podcast coming, as well as all the other content that's made as part of Mailfuzz Movies and Mailfuzz TV. Um, you get the podcast a little bit early. Uh, if you if you support us at the five dollar tier or above, so if that's of interest, go and have a look and see if you want to. Uh, but you can like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications on YouTube, or rate the podcast on iTunes and give us five stars. All those things do help, as well, of course, just sharing it out with your comic book loving friends. Yes, all of it very heart heart heartwarming and welcoming was what I was trying to say there. Uh, so yeah, that pretty much does it though. Uh, that has been episode three. Four seven. We are actually eerily close to three fifty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think we're doing anything special for it, but it's mm-hmm. a notable number. So yeah, 
have, have be happy about it. Uh, so thank you very much once again for watching and listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force.